Welcome to the Real Estate Investor Podcast. I'm your host, Gary Lipsky of Break of Day Capital. I talk to leading experts to discuss a wide range of subjects to educate investors on best-in-class practices to build legacy wealth and positively impact communities. Let's jump in. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Investor Podcast. I'm your host, Gary Lipsky with Break of Day Capital. Be sure to join our Facebook group, Asset Management Mastery, where we have a great community of thousands of like-minded individuals sharing resources and best practices. Hey, everyone. We have launched the BODC Multifamily Impact Fund. Invest with a trusted operator with a track record of success. Our fund offers diversification, risk mitigation, tax benefits, and stringent acquisition criteria. If you'd like to learn more, head over to our website at breakofdaycapital.com. Choosing the right insurance coverage for multifamily properties isn't that complicated, if you know who to talk to. At the Garzella Group, we're uniquely qualified to help you navigate the range of policy choices you have, and we're committed to saving you 30% in the process. We do intensive market research and have nationwide relationships, so we can find coverage other insurance brokers simply can't. We should talk. Go to quotenow.biz and we'll start the conversation. Today on the podcast, I have Peter Eberhardt, who has a fascinating story. Peter became a nationally ranked BMX rider and started his real estate investing journey as a necessity to cut down on his living costs at a very young age. He was working 110 hours a week at one point between his regular job and driving an Uber for months to save money to buy more real estate. And he eventually retired from racing and got into multifamily full-time. Thanks for joining us, Peter. Can you start by telling the listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you do? Well, you kind of hit the nail on the head. I don't know what else more I got to say, but I appreciate that. Yeah, I started out following a dream to become the best athlete I could be on the bike, move myself down to San Diego. Every decision I had up until a few years ago was with the bicycle in mind and including buying my first property, which got me started ultimately in the real estate space unbeknownst at the time. And now I'm just in focus right now in Central California, any value add commercial, residential, uh, storage, RV parks, you name it. Still trying to find my next deal in this uh, environment, as you know, is a little challenging, so can't be too picky. But yeah, I'd say that that's kind of something that I find that I really enjoy. And that's what I'm moving forward all in. Nice. So you were, I think you were at 21 when you bought your first house and did anyone help you? Like how? I mean, that's just a huge, huge thing for you to say, okay, I'm going to buy a house and accomplish it, you know? Uh, Yeah. I mean, again, I was just very focused on my racing. Kind of the longer story in that is that I was came down here to San Diego and I very quickly saw how I couldn't really perform and progress in my training and my racing because I had to work so much to survive. And I started to work a lot of overtime just to pay rent. And I'm like, man, this just doesn't make any sense. Paying rent frustrated the heck out of me. And so I'm like, okay, well, what's my biggest living expense? It's my rent. So what can we do about that? And I said, okay, well, did some quick math with the little that I knew at the time. I'm like, if I can buy a three bedroom, I can get two roommates to pay my mortgage and then I'll be good. I can work less, race more. That was the mentality. 
And at the time, Uber and Lyft were just sort of emerging as industries as a thing. And San Diego was kind of the first cities that was introduced to back in 2015, I think, 2016. And so Domino's fell where they may. I, I found out about that, fell into that and you know, early on in my entrepreneurial journey. And I started making, shoot, I think about twice as much money on a weekend as I could at my regular job. So I thought at the time I was balling. And so I basically put my head down and for six straight months, I mean, I was up to 110 hours a week. I would drive for five hours before my day job. I would drive five hours after my day job, get a few hours of sleep. And I just did that week in, week out. And I had to get myself first out of 20K in credit card debt that I had acquired from racing. And once I had saved up about 30 grand to where I was really starting to start to place offers on properties... The market had increased to where I couldn't afford a three bedroom. I could barely afford a two bedroom, which straight up just pissed me off because in my mind, I had just wasted that time to save up when I could have been racing and not get my end goal. So I was like, man, do I still buy a property? Do I, what do I do? I ended up closing on a, it was a two bedroom condo in East County, uh, El Cajon to be specific, about 15 minutes uh, straight east of downtown. And after one roommate, I was paying about the same as I was in rent which again, pissed me off even more because again, no idea about real estate investing at the time. I All I saw was my time was wasted being off the bike. So I just said, you know what, fine, whatever. At least I'm not paying rent. So at least I'm paying a little bit of principal. So that's cool. And I just got right back on the bike. I finally accomplished what I came here to do, which was to get nationally ranked on my on the national circuit. And you know, yeah, that's just, so that's just kind of how I bought my first condo. I just drove Uber and saved. <laughs> well, I love that you were all in and it was, you know, what got you into real estate wasn't necessarily you, you wanted to be in real estate, but, but you're all in on your BMX and, and, and that's what leads to success for no matter what you do. And then you stumbled into real estate and you found solutions. It then ended up turning out exactly. Uh, you obviously wanted three bedroom, you got the two uh, expenses were higher, but you got in the game and that's the hardest part for a lot of people. Yeah. So then talk, you know, what happened, you know, next, how did, where did your real estate journey take you from there? I would say, so I'm still on my bike. I'm still focused on racing. Kind of the light bulb moment was when I came home one night from Ubering, it was getting dark pretty late. And my neighbor had all of their stuff out on the front common areas. And I was like, Hey, what's going on? And they're like, Oh, we're moving to Oklahoma. And I said, I was like, right now, like it's getting dark and yep, husband's getting a U-Haul truck. We're packing up. We're going to leave tomorrow morning. And I'm like, all right, well here, let me help you move. And I'm nosy as any good neighbor should be. And I was like, Hey, so, uh, what are you, uh, what are you guys selling your place for? You know, it was the exact same layout as mine directly across the hall. And she told me a number that was like, $60,000, $70,000 more than I had just bought mine for like two, three years ago. And I was like, no way. There's no way. So fact checked it. And that was when I really understood the power of real estate. And I was like, okay, there's something here because there's no way that I just gained that I could just sell, you know, and make 20 grand without doing anything. It just blew my mind. I couldn't comprehend it. And so right then and there, I just dived all in, became obsessed with learning bigger pockets, podcasts, you name it. I was just, I had to learn more and to do something. And where I ended up was I got a HELOC on my condo. That was my seed money. Cause again, I'm, I'm back in debt, right? <laughs> like in credit card debt from racing. And so I got a HELOC on my condo. I went to Ohio to purchase a couple single family homes. Cause again, I'm buying into all this out of state stuff, really 
fighting, analysis, paralysis. I just want to do something to get to where I want to be, which I had no idea where that even was. And I still don't, right? So anyways, something didn't sit right with me when I was looking out there and between having to pay a third property management, between having it so far away, and it just didn't seem right. I'm like, man, God, there's got to be a better way. So I put the whole thumb that, came back to California, started placing offers on, you know, I was starting to place FHA offers on four units here because maximum number of units, lowest amount of leverage, being in California, wanted to self-manage, all that stuff. And I mean, gosh, about this time, I think the pandemic was in full force. So inflation was through the roof. FHAs were just getting thrown in the trash. And four months later, about quite a few, 50, 60, 70 offers later, I lost track. I was like, okay, what do I have to do to get a property? Like time's ticking. I just need to take action. I don't care where my deal is. As long as it's within driving distance, I don't care. Orange County, LA County, Central Valley, San Diego, who cares? Duplexes, triplexes, fourplexes. And I basically switched from placing offers with FHA and I switched over to conventional and it hopes to, you know, just, I'm just going to use all my money and, you know, that's, that's what I'm going to do. And in hindsight, I kind of wish I would have also had the knowledge to switch from four to five and up units when I went to 20% down, but I didn't, I ended up getting a four unit. That was a very interesting escrow process in central California. Um, moved up there myself for eight months, renovated the whole thing, all four units. And that was my first deal. That's where I think I really got into the game. Nice. And were you particularly handy or you're just kind of learning as you went to, to fix all this stuff? <laughs> So let me tell you, I went in there with the intention of doing what I did to my condo, which was floor, paint, fixtures, carpet, done, right? I'm like, I'll be in and out of there in like three months, right? <laughs> and I ended up fully gutting down to the studs, two of them, putting on a new roof, doing pretty heavy value adds to the other two units, had to evict a tenant during escrow, added in, you know, brand new bathrooms, kitchen. I mean, you name it, we did it. New fences, all of it. and. I went up there and went into it with the intention of anything I don't know how to do, I'm a hire contractor to teach me and work alongside him and I'm going to do it myself, right? Because back then, I mean, I could find a pretty decent contractor for $350, $400 a day, which in my mind, I was way cheaper than that, right? I was like, I could do that for cheaper. And so uh, that's what I did. And one month turned into six months, turned into, I think, eight months that uh, it took me to get all four units, ran out of money, had to bring in a private capital partner to invest with me with the deal to <laughs> put in all this CapEx budget that I didn't plan for. So so it was an interesting project. Yeah, I did learn a ton and even more so that my next door neighbor with an identical four unit was actually, he had just purchased his and was remodeling his at the same time. And he was way more experienced. He was doing open laid concepts, taking out walls. I'm like, whoa, that's crazy, right? And he gave me a lot of ideas that I implemented in mine where I, you know, I, I was doing some things three times over. I think the first unit took me four months to get back online. The last unit took me like two weeks. So, you know, that's just kind of how that goes. But yeah, I, I learned a ton. I outsourced about 15% of the work, uh, plus the roof, of course, I put on the roof. But yeah, I learned a ton and got a lot more handy and bought a lot more tools. <laughs> nice. nice. And, then, and those are skills that, I mean, for the rest of your life, even if someone else is doing the work, you know, if they're doing it right or you're wrong and uh, how long it should take, all, all these things that are really, really valuable that will play a role for you for, for as long as you do this. Yeah. Yeah. And that was valuable to me. That was my, that was what I wanted. And so that's what I got. 
there's nothing better than hands-on experience. You know, you could, you could that analysis paralysis until you're doing it. Like then you have that confidence going forward to kind of really expand, you know, really build an empire. Absolutely. Yeah. And that was, you know, being here in California, maybe you can attest this in your own journey, but that to me was my biggest hurdle of, I am a hands-on operator. I want to be boots on the ground, but I live here. So do I want to physically move myself to the Midwest to get better cash flow? Because yeah, I, I could do the out-of-state investing from here, but would I enjoy it? Would I learn as much? I just don't think so. So along my journey that I found that out about myself, my identity was like, that is more important to me than oh, pretty much anything else. So I'm giving California my best shot. And through that process, like I learned a lot more of the red tape, all of the laws, the legislator, like all of these things that, yeah, I mean, if you're not from here, they can suck. But if you know how to operate by the rules and, and around the rules, then, you know, it, it can definitely work out in your favor. Yeah, I, I see a lot of investors, you know, buying single family homes far, far away and they think it's going to be a passive investment and it's just really hard. You're not going to get, if you're managing yourself, I mean, there could be a lot of problems if you're using a third-party property manager, no one's going to value like one house. For me, I'm doing big multifamily property. So I don't necessarily need to, to live there because I'm getting, you know, I, we have on-site on staff. We have a regional manager. We have huge economies of scale. So if you're going to do some real small stuff, I, I definitely recommend being you know closer to you. And and yeah. it's not nearly as passive as people think because, you know, sometimes you can get really lucky, but there's a lot of times where you do get a, a lot of headaches. And for people that aren't doing it as a career, they're probably much better off investing with operators, you know, skilled operators. Yeah, there's definitely something there. And, you know, at, at the end of the day, it comes down to where you're at in your situation, your geographical location, which... Again, I hate saying that because I just now maybe added to someone's analysis paralysis of what's best for me. But yeah, just get the minimum information that you need to make a decision for yourself and just get to it. Like cut the bullshit, get to it. So I was reading your bio and I read that you you hired some mentors and coaches to get you to the next level. So you know, talk about that, you know, some of your biggest takeaways. Oh, <laughs> so I came out of that four unit deal with the mentality of, okay, that was cool. I learned a lot. I spent a lot. I'm earning a lot. Like what's next? And my mentality was, okay, I'm just going to save up and do it again. Maybe take me a couple of years. I'm okay with that. I was, I mean, I was honestly burned out obviously with that work I had just done up, up there. And that mentality lasted all of a, a couple of weeks. I think once I got re-energized and refocused, I'm like, man, like I, I got to go do something now, but I had no money. In fact, I was the most in debt that I had ever been. Of course, if it was good debt, I had, you know, great cash flow and like I was chilling. But I still had this mentality of wanting to do everything myself, wanting to be a self-employed uh, control, all of that. And, you know, did a couple other little side hobbies, went and bought a van, started to build that out. I'm just, man, like I, I really want my next deal. So I started to look at, okay. I can maybe borrow money to then borrow hard money to then buy a distressed property, do a more of a burst strategy, pull out all my equity. You know, the that was probably one of the biggest things I learned was I went way overboard with my remodel and, you know, realizing that equity play there. But what happened was, is I think along the lines, a few months later, I just decided to go to my first real estate meetup. I'd never been. I'm like, oh, cool. Like maybe meet some other people and I want to make friends. Right. So went to a real estate meetup here in San Diego. And I kid you not, Gary, in the space of three, probably three to four days of 
the ideas that I had like learned and like started listening to different podcasts, I was like 100%, 180 degree pivot and learned about syndication, learned about partnering, learned about the ability to do that and just drove myself nuts and back to the obsession of learning all that. And so within a couple months, I had hired a couple mentors, learned everything good about education, started looking at underwriting these, you know, these deals. There's a 216 light tech deal out in Indianapolis, and there's a 32 unit deal in Cincinnati. Again, I was kind of going back to the Midwest, fighting that analysis paralysis. And, you know, had more self-discoveries, kind of bounced around, went down a couple rabbit holes, consistently learning and meeting and networking and flying out to these masterminds. But again, just came back to California and I said, I want to operate here in California. So, you know, focusing again on Central California and now my day-to-day operations just really looks like uh, dialing. I'm just calling people and calling owners, going up to the properties, driving the cities for days on end and just focus on getting my next deal. So really quick shift there after learning what's more and kind of unlocking my own self and my own potential, I guess I should say. Nice, nice. And I mean, I just... I love that, you know, just pedal to the metal. Talk about how your athletic mindset helps you overcome obstacles in the investment space. I would say, I mean, I guess there is something to be said about the repetition and the ability to get up after failure, which I guess having an athletic background, to me, that's always been like normal and easy to get through. Like it ain't no thing to be knocked down a hundred times and get back up. I mean, it took me 10 plus years to get my national ranking and uh, you know, the, the hardest thing for me is to learn to enjoy the journey and not so much focus on the destination. But I think that, you know, and speaking of failure, one of the things that I made sure to get really good at in the sport of BMX is when you had either bad luck or you had a dirty move played on you or something happened that made you lose the race, lose the title, lose the qualifying spot to the next round, whatever it was. I remember one race in specific, it was the state championships in 2017, I think. And I was, I had to get first place to get the championship, like the way that the points just ended up. And I really wanted that championship because I hadn't won one in a, in a couple of years. And I'm like, my time's due. Right. And so I remember I had a little bit of bad luck off the gate. I had a little equipment failure, which led me to be, I think, second place coming out of the first corner. And all the way through the track, you know, it came down to the last corner. I knew the track, like the back of my hand. I knew the exact setup that I was setting myself up for and reading the other rider's positions and went for my move. I washed out, hit the ground, and there went the title. I made sure before I got up, like before I physically got up off the ground and, and, you know, I got myself off the track and just told the officials, Hey, I'm good. I'm just going to chill out and catch my breath. Cause I just, you know, had a hard hit, but I made sure that by the time I got up and walked off the track, that that failure of losing that race, it stayed on the ground. You know, it didn't follow me off the track because I knew that I processed, Hey, what happened? What could I have done differently? All the what ifs, right? Like just, yeah, let yourself play all that out and then just leave it on the ground, get up and, you know, look forward to next season. And that's what I did. And before in my recent career, that was not like that. I would kind of carry those failures with me longer. And that ultimately hurt my progress in the future. So I would say that that's the biggest lesson I learned throughout my performance athletic career. Yeah, that's huge. You know, so Peter, I really appreciate you coming on the show and adding a ton of value on how your athlete mindset helps you overcome obstacles in your real estate journey. I'm I'm going to be watching your journey. I, I think you have a tremendous future ahead of you. 
it, it all starts somewhere. We all start, you know, a single family home and then it grows from there and, yeah. and whatnot. So that, that snowball will, will keep rolling and I'm excited for you and I'm sure you'll have a, a lot of success in your future. Please tell the listeners where they can find out more about you and, you know, like any like website, whatever. Yeah. Hit me up on Instagram. Send me a message. Would love to connect. My Instagram is my first name, last name, which is at Peter Eberhardt and probably should spell that out. So it's P-E-T-E-R-E-B-E-R-H-A-R-D-T. D as in dog, T as in Tom, as my folks would say. Yeah. Would love to, would love to hear from you. Awesome. Awesome. Well, this is Gary Lipsky signing off. I'll be back next week with another informative episode on the Real Estate Investor Podcast. To all of our listeners, thanks for joining us. And if you like this episode, please head over to iTunes or Stitcher and like, subscribe, and leave a review as it will help us reach more people. And if you'd like to learn more about what we do at Break of Day Capital, head over to our website at breakofdaycapital.com and sign up for our newsletter and fill out our investor application. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.